I was uh, I wanted to share something with you this morning because um, in my particular um, quiet time in the mornings, um, in my sparkling gems uh, devotional, I came across a scripture, Hebrews chapter three verse nine. And as I was reading uh, this particular verse, uh, the verse is an interesting verse because it uh, how appropriate it is on a Father's Day that uh, this uh, particular verse uh, is is read because it talks about where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. God said that they saw my works for 40 years, but yet they still tried me and tested me. And as I was thinking about that, as I was reflecting on that particular scripture, it reminded me of something that happened this week. Uh, Because there was a project that I started two months ago in the house, and I started cleaning the office at the house. Uh, And um, I started that two months ago, and what I did was I effectively started pulling everything out of the the cabinets, uh, things out of the foul cabinets, and I called myself cleaning up the office and purging some things. So I started two months ago, and and from the day that I started, I had not done anything else. So there, there was a mess all over the credenza. I had paper all over the credenza. I had files, uh, cords all over the desk. It was such a mess that I could not see the uh, de- wood on the desk, and I could not see the top of the credenza. I had uh, so much uh, uh, paper and stuff over the floor. It was really bad. I started with good intentions, but when the day that I started, I did nothing else for the last two months. Well, this week I came home, and when I walked into the house, I was going through the uh, family room, and I looked, and Gwen had cleaned up the office. She had put the cords away. She had cleaned the credenza. She had put files in the file cabinet. She had thrown the trash on the floor away. It was amazing like we had just moved in. <laughs> and when I walked in, I said, what did you do with my, what do you do with my, uh, that paper that was on the credenza? I says that, what do you do with the files that were on the desk? And she looked at me. And she said, I was expecting a thank you. (laughs) And I began to reflect that what I was focusing on was the mess rather than what it took to clean up the mess. I was more concerned about what I had seen for the last two months rather than the love and the work that had gone in to cleaning it up, not only that day, but for the last 34 years. And the Bible says that his fathers had seen his work for their fathers for 40 years, but yet they tested him and tried him. What I want to do uh, this morning is I want you to focus on uh, the children of Israel in this particular passage of Scripture because the Bible says that they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and as they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, God said that they tempted him, and I love the way the Message Bible gives this particular passage of Scripture in uh, Hebrews 3, 9. It says it like this in Champions. Would you read that with me like you know it is the word of his power now? Even though they watched me at work for 40 years... Your ancestors refused to let me do it my way. 
Over and over, they tried. Now, I don't know about you, but do you ever, have you ever had a mother or a father? My mama, my dear, used to say, boy, you're trying my patience. And I don't know if that's a Louisiana thing or that's a, but did your mama ever tell you that? Well, 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 well when my dear said, you're trying my patience, I knew something. I needed to make an adjustment because the next try was going to be a break-in. A breaking of the air between where I was and where she was. And so, and so notice this. The, I, I, listen, even though they watched me at work for 40 years, your fathers refused to let me do it my way. And, 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 over, and, and over and over again, they tried my patience. And you know, I just began to remember and focus on that, that although for, 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 for years, Gwen has been amazing but yet, I was trying to figure out, why does she do it that way? And when we look at that, many times we overlook the love that, that, that has been shared in our lives. And so this morning, what I want you to do is I want you to focus on how good... Don't, let me say it like this. Never forget how good God has been to you. Come on, would you say that with me? I, I never want to forget how good God has been to me. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's take a look at this. Because in other words, uh, God says that they were testing him. And, and you know when you test something, and what you're doing is that you're trying to see if it's as good as others claimed it is. When you see a product and uh, it's been advertised and you get that product, and so what you're doing is you're testing to see if that product is as good as been as been advertised. Uh, Moses had been telling them how good God was. And so they kept trying to test him to see is he, if he was as good as Moses had advertised him to be. And so God says that, man, they saw my works for 40 years. And it was required because the people of God were in a situation that required miraculous intervention to survive their journey. So, so God had to demonstrate who he was and how faithful he was over and over and over and over and over again to his people. And if he had not done that, they would have died and they would not have made the journey. Now, let, 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 let me share something with you here. You can apply this to your own situation. This principle applies to your own life. Because, for instance, suppose you were in a tight financial situation, and although you didn't uh, plan to be in that with, with those financial challenges, you found yourself in a financial situation where you needed to see the goodness of God. And so you had already heard how good God was. You already heard that he was a supernatural provider. And so the testing is like this, where you come and you say that, look, God, uh, I'm in a situation right now, and I have created a moment when your goodness could be tested. And so, Lord, you said that you're a great provider. So I need you to show up, and I need you to uh, uh, provide for me now. And what you're doing now is that you're saying, I want to test to see if he is as good as he says he is. Oh, is he as a, a, a good as he has been advertised? And so in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 9, 
It says that uh, they watched me and they still refuse to let me do it my way. So we want to take a look this morning at what it is, how good God had been to, uh, to them. And then we want to relate that to our own individual lives as well. Number one, let's take a look at this in, uh, in, in Exodus chapter 16, verse 35. If you would turn there, please. Exodus chapter 16, verse 35. And as you turn there... Uh, we recognize then that the children of Israel, they lived uh, where they had to constantly experience the power of God, the miraculous power of God for 40 years. And so we want to look at at least three things that they received over that 40-year period. Exodus chapter 16, verse 35. The first thing that we're going to look at is the manna or the bread that God provided to them. Let's read it together now. And the children of Israel ate manna 40 years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And so the Bible says that the manna God provided for them, he did it for how many years? He did it for 40 years. And so notice this, that God provided bread or he provided manna for them day in and day out. And the manna appeared so regularly It was so faithfully day in and day out that after a while, the children of Israel didn't even think so much about it anymore. This supernatural provision became so commonplace among them that they forgot how supernatural it was. And they began to to see the thing that was miraculous and supernatural as a normal, commonplace thing in their lives. Isn't that interesting? That this manner that came to them, it came to them in the wilderness. This miraculous bread that was provided for them for 40 years. No longer they saw it as a miracle or supernatural. They saw it as commonplace. They saw it as natural. Isn't it amazing that God does so many things for us that we can look over our lives and we can see how awesome our father has been, but yet... The miracles that he does in our lives, we don't recognize them because we just think it's just a natural part of living. Can I give you a perfect example of that? The Bible, we sing this song, it's your breath that's in my lungs. And when we sing that song, oh my God, it's such power that comes. But but let me just share this. The Bible says, and God breathed into man and man became a living soul, living being. Breathed into man. Nothing happened until there was a breath. What happened to the church? God breathed on them and they came out in power. Um, Do you know that every day, all day long, God breathes into you and gives you breath? And, And many times we just think of it as being very natural and commonplace, but it's supernatural. It's a miracle. And let me show you how much value that is because... Um, according to the research that I have done, it cost $1,552 a day, $1,522 a day to be on a ventilator to keep you breathing and your organs functioning. So do you know how much that is over the course of a year? $555,000. So notice this, the breath that God breathes into you is worth more than a half a million dollars to you in your life during the course of the year. Now, look at this. A ventilator, you can't move around. You're there, but God gives you that half million dollars. And then he says, it's not just so you can breathe, but so that you can have an abundant life. So move around, do what you need to do. I've given you an assignment. I've given you a purpose. Look what God has given you. He's given you 
breath. And he's already ahead of time paid for what he wants you to accomplish in your life. But you know what? Many times we think it's so commonplace that we don't appreciate what God has already done. What we do, we look at what is not rather than what is. God provided them manna. And I'm going to show you what's happening. Uh, because God provided them manna. And, uh, and, and they, it was a miracle because bread just don't fall out of, out of the sky in the desert. Look at the second thing. The Bible says that God provided them uh, something to eat. So they had bread. <laughs> now they're going to have some meat. Oh, my God, meat. Man, God, God, God made sure they weren't just on a keto diet. Let's read Numbers chapter 11, verse 31. Let's read that together like we know it is the word of his power. Now, now a wind went out from the Lord, and it brought quail from the sea and left them fluttering near the camp. About a day's journey on the side and about a day's journey on the other side, all around the camp, and about two cubits above the surface of the ground. Notice this. (laughs) So notice this. A day in the past... And a day in the future, God had meat falling around them. And and notice how easy it was to get. It says that it was two cubits, cubits, above the ground. A cubic is 18 inches. So notice this, three feet quail all around. Even the kids could pull it out and get it for themselves. And the Bible says it wasn't just where they were, but it was where they had been. It was also where they were going. They could remember remember God for what he had done, but then also get excited and full of hope of what he was doing in their lives. And notice what happens. See, quail just doesn't come in the desert. The Bible says God blew. (laughs) There was a wind that moved them to that place. And, and so it was a natural place for quail to show up. So God caused it to happen, and it was on either side of them. It was a supernatural provision that could not be naturally explained. But I want you to see what happens to them. But first, let's look at this third thing that God did. So now they've got bread. Now they've got meat. They need something to drink. Numbers chapter 20, verse 11. It's, it, what's amazing to me is that when you read this particular passage, it, the people g- got the bread they got the quail, and then they were still complaining. They told Moses, Moses, um, why you brought us out here to kill us in the desert? Isn't it interesting that we sometimes go through things in our lives and we wonder how, uh, how God, we start blaming others, but we wonder, we forget how God has miraculously provided for us in the past. And and, and notice what happens. It's like, uh, Moses, why you brought us out here? And and you brought us out here to kill us. And, and, and Moses got so frustrated. He says, you know, after a period of time, he said, God, you know, your people, why you put this burden on me? But notice what he said in this particular time. Let's read it. Numbers chapter 20, verse 11. Let's read it together now. Then Moses lifted his hand and stuck, struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly. And the congregation and their animals drank. Now keep in mind now, again, that this is, this is the desert. I mean, both the people and the animal needed to drink something. It is estimated by historians that there were three million people that were, who left uh, Egypt on their way to the promised land. Can you imagine how many quail it took every day to feed three million people? Can you imagine how many loaves of bread it took to feed three million people? And how much water? Desert is a dry place, so it takes more water in a dry place to, to, uh, to, cause your, uh, to quench your thirst and to feed the animals. Can you imagine how much water had to come out of a rock? 
to feed them. It is so supernatural for them because there's no source of water in the desert. So God had to provide it supernaturally. And, and so we could think that after living in this kind of supernatural provision day in and day out for 40 years, after experiencing this kind of miraculous supply on a continuous basis, that they should trust the Lord and they, and they should find it easy to obey him and follow him. But the Bible says, even after seeing God perform so many miracles, the people became numb and unappreciative of the demonstration of his power. And God called them hard-hearted. And, and that's, a, that's a medical term which refers to callous heart. So, so what's, one of the interesting things that I, I just really wanted to point out here is that we can see, particularly from their own lives, how much God had done for them, the miracles that he brought on their behalf, but yet how time and time again, time again as we see the power of God operating in our lives, that we can think of it as being natural or commonplace, and that we don't recognize when miracles are taking place. We don't recognize when a miracle has happened because we think that it's just a natural part of our body healing. We think that it's just a natural course of time. We think that uh, what happened, it, it just worked its, its way out. And because we've seen it over and over and over again, that we began to disregard that it's the power of God who is our Je Jehovah Jireh. It's the power of God who is our Jehovah Rapha. It is the power of God who is our Jehovah Sabaoth. Sab it is the power of God who has demonstrated that for us and who is our shepherd. Now, what I'm going to ask you to do is I want you to put up this particular scripture and you don't have to turn there, but I want to show you the consequences of what God said about them in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 11. Notice this. God says that they would not let him do it the way he wanted to do it. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 11 in the Message Bible, it says it in a very, very powerful way. And what it says here is it tells us what the results are when we take things that are miraculous and make them natural, we don't accomplish the purpose that God has for our lives. And so in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 11, together, now, exacerbated. Woo, he was exacerbated. What that, that, that means he, was, he felt the trying of them. But let's read it together. Let's read it together now. Exacerbated, I vow they'll never get where they're going. Never be able to sit down. Notice what happens. When we take those things that are natural, that are miraculous, and we make them commonplace or natural, that we begin to really operate in our own knowledge, our own strength, our own ways. And God says that they'll never get where they're going. And you know why? That's why they kept going in a circle, in a circle, in a circle, because they did not take his direction and they never got where they were going. So what did God do? God had to raise up some desert babies that would listen and obey and would recognize his miraculous power. So I want to ask you this today. As we see the power of God in their own lives, can you, you can apply, we can apply this to the same principle in our own lives. I think that if we see that, we can recognize then that um, if we look at this, the supernatural things that were considered wonders at one time are now considered very natural and, and commonplace. It's like when someone has done something for you for so long that you think that they should be doing it and you see it as an entitlement rather than a privilege. Uh oh, you see that the, uh, you know, whether there, there's a meal that's being prepared or whether there is um, a, a word that is being spoken 
you begin to look at it as a privilege, as an as a entitlement rather than a privilege. And let's just kind of bring that to uh, another generation. That how many of you know that when your kids grow up in your house, it's not their room, it's your room. But they see it as they don't pay one. Look, that whole house belongs to you. But because that room belongs to you, there's no such thing as do not enter. Okay? The car that they drive is not theirs. It's yours. So, 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 so notice how, how easy it is to drift away from what God, society causes a drift away from what God has, has said, his way of doing things. Um, you can't spank kids now or... I'm not talking about abusing them. I'm talking about doing what the Bible says, dude. Because the Bible says this is how you train up a child. Number one, you tell them what you want them to do. If they do not do it, then they may have misunderstood what you were saying. So the second step the Bible says is that you show them what you want them to do. If they do not do it the second time, the Bible says it is rebellion. And it is the rod drives rebellion from the heart. The rod is the belt. It's the paddle. Now, so, 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 so what we recognize then is the Bible says you talk to them first. Then the second thing is that you show them because they may not have understood. The third time is that you get the paddle and you drive that rebellion out of them. Why? It's because rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So what happens is that things start getting upside down in the house and that whenever you give the child the spotlight, they don't want to give it up. And as a result of that, what happens in the family now is that you have children who have no wisdom running the household. So, 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 so me, uh, um, I, 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 I. I didn't raise my voice to them. I said what I wanted them to do, and I expected them to do it the first time. Now, what I would do, though, is that they would tell me, I would like, if you don't do that, but I didn't raise my voice, but they could see that I really meant it in my facial expressions. And I didn't have to spank very much, uh, but I did. One for the father. <laughs> One for the son. <laughs> One for the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Now, I learned when I was growing up that you cry before you get a spanking. It eases the pressure on the one who is enforcing the punishment. But my mama was hard-hearted. It didn't matter. She measured how much you cried from the moment she gave you the first one. So, so I, I, I'm joking, but what I'm really serious about is that notice what God is saying is that the kid will not get to where they are going because the family will not get where they are going because they refuse to allow it to be done his way. And so what happens is that when that rebellion is in the house, all kinds of spirits enter, all kinds of, kind of disorder is in place, um, all kinds of contentiousness is there. When there's uh, uh, contentiousness, when there's envy and strife, it's every evil work. It is not of God. And that's why the Bible says it is better to live in the corner of a rooftop than in a mansion with a nagging woman. It's talking about contentiousness, right? I want you to take a moment and apply the same thing that we've been talking about as it relates to the children of Israel. They had miracles that occurred and it was no doubt that it was a miracle. It was not natural. It, was, it cannot be commonplace 
40 years, they had bread that fell out of the sky. For 40 years, they had meat that would gather so that they could have something to eat. Why? Is because food don't grow in the desert. For 40 years, they had water because any water that's in the desert is bitter and undrinkable, but yet they had water that flowed freshly out of a rock that fed three million people for 40 years and their animals and their offspring. What a miracle. And notice this, that even in that time for 40 years, their, their clothes did not grow old. That no matter how big they got, their clothes grew with them. So, so, so God did so many miracles for them, but they just got uh, used to it. It became habitual that, you know, I expect this. And as a result of it, they did not appreciate what went into and who was demonstrating that love to them to make sure they were cared for for 40 years. And whatever you do not value, it does not appreciate. Or what you appreciate, it increases in value. And so notice this. What I want you to do is I want you to consider, and we can see, let me ask you this question. Can you see, the mirror, uh, based on the 40 years and what God is saying, that the bread that came to them was a miracle? Can you see that? Um, how about you over here? Will you, are you able to attest to that the bread, the manna that fell out of heaven was not natural? It was a miracle. Yeah. Would you be able to attest that the meat, the quail that came, it wasn't natural for quail to be in a desert, but it was a miracle? Can you attest then that in a desert it's very dry and bitter water can flow, but, 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 but undrinkable water if you find any. But how many of you uh, believe that it is a miracle and not natural for fresh water to flow out of a rock? Do you believe that? So now we can see the miracles that God was providing to, for them for 40 years. Over and over, day after day, continuous, continu continuous and constant. He had proven himself. But then now they saw it as very commonplace and natural, and they expected it rather than seeing it as a privilege. I want you to consider as well, because we apply that same principle to us. It doesn't take us 40 years to overlook how good God has been to us. And let me ask you to consider. I want you to reflect and consider how God has blessed you. I want you to consider how God has changed you, that you were a, a, a certain person at some point in the past, but right now you can look back over your past and you can see that you are a really, really different person. I want you to think about how much God has changed you. Have you ever been sick in your body and you recovered? Uh, have you ever been sick in your body and you recovered? Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I want you to consider then how he's healed you when you were sick, whether it was a headache, whether it was a cold, whether it was a pain in your body, a heartache, but you recovered. I want you to consider how he heals you. It's not commonplace. It's not, not, but it is a miracle of how God has created his power in your body. I want you to consider how he gave you a new job. Uh, consider when you were looking for a promotion and, and God all of a sudden put conditions in place so that you could be promoted. And glory to God. We live in a, in a society that people really are, are not trying to advance you, but somehow your boss couldn't help but promote you. Somehow the company couldn't help but giving you your boss's job. But think about it. Consider the times when God has given you a promotion. 
Consider the times when you prayed for something (laughs) and God answered your prayer. And you could evidence it and say, oh my God, six months ago I prayed for this and look what the Lord has done. You could say that if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? That's what the children of Israel could have said. They could have looked and said, oh my God, I'm in a desert. I have no food. I have no water. I have no bread. Oh, if it had not been for the Lord on my side for these 40 years, where would I be? I want you to consider then that how God provided for you financially time and time again. You came into a rough spot. I mean, you were wondering, my God, stuff is going to get cut off, but it stayed on. And even when it was cut off, it came back on. Well, somehow I got the money. No, it was God. Think about that. Consider. I want you to consider uh, that you and I have lived in God's constant, nonstop, miraculous provisions over and over in our lives. And what I believe we should do is I believe that we should count the blessings that our Father has provided to us. A Father's Day is a time to be grateful for a father, our spiritual father, earthly fathers. It's time to be grateful. And do you know what? Even if your father is not in your life, has never been in your life, you're here because of that seed. And it may have been a miracle that that person's not in your life for you to do and to get to where you are right now. But you know what? I believe that there is something inside of us that as we've considered the blessings, as we've considered the provisions, as we've considered the healings, as we've considered the deliverances, as we considered the financial blessings, the, 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 the new job, the better job, the promotions, there is something in us want to celebrate our good, good father. Mm-hmm.